but I just want to make a point out of this particular passage. So we'll begin reading when you get there, Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 14. He begins verse 14 by this announcement. He says, you are the light of the world. It's quite a statement in the fact that up to this point, Jesus had only held that title for himself. In John 8, John 9, he, he calls himself the light of the world. So for him to make this announcement that we, you and I as believers of the light of the world was quite a profound statement. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Listen to this, we know it well. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What a powerful, powerful phrase. Here was the phrase that Graham Cook said, very specifically tied to this passage. If you want to pierce the darkness, if you want your light to so shine before men, you must get rid of the gray areas in your own life. And I want to tell you that we are chronically living as individual Christians with gray areas in our life. Going year after year, on and on and on, message after message, refusing to allow the Holy Spirit to clear up the gray areas in our life. And I will assure you, you will not be able to pierce the darkness. You will not be able to run together and attacking the gates of hell if there are gray areas in your own life. It would be like marching into battle or running into battle if you were unsure about the weapon that you were carrying. If you were unsure, did I hear the command correctly? Am I unsure about the training of the person on my left and the person on my right? Every one of those gray areas will cause us to move with hesitation and refuse to move with the urgency and the eagerness with which God has designed us. Every gray area will cause us to hesitate, slow down, and be uncertain. And I can tell you, the Bible's very clear. It's very hard for a light to so shine if there's uncertainty in it. It's critical that we clear up these gray areas. I made a note within my notes this morning. Probably the sadder commentary, the more difficult reality. It's hard to find Christians who are eager to advance on the gates of hell, even though God has clearly said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the reality of revelation upon which he has built this church. That we are designed to be a people who are marching on the gates of hell. And within the Christian church, you don't find many who are willing or ready or have any desire to be in that front line and marching on the gates of hell and letting that light so shine that it would pierce the darkness. We don't find many. I was having a conversation with Parker in my office talking about situations where we encounter those things that are demonic. And the conversation we had was most people, no matter how many years they have been Christians, are just very well satisfied if I can just dismiss that and never even imagine myself having to deal with that darkness in somebody else's life. We find very few people who understand within the reality how well equipped and how prepared we are to advance into that world and to watch people be set free, and not just from themselves and the bad habits that they have, but the demonic reality that is causing these things and, and bringing these things, and we don't want to talk about it. Well, it's time to talk about it, because if we're going to pierce the darkness, as God instructed us to do, 
to let my light so shine before men that they could see my good works, but they would know absolutely that it was him. They would know with certainty that it was him. He's the light. He's the one piercing the darkness. He's the one making the difference. But it will always be hesitant if these gray areas are not clear. Most Christians that I know, I don't know if this is true of you or not. That's for you to decide. But what most Christians want that are very content with is that the only expectation they have of God is that this Sunday looks a whole lot like last Sunday. Because if it's predictable enough, if my day today looks a whole lot like my day yesterday, if it's predictable enough, I can grow comfortable and content in that reality. What a strange perspective to have before a God who is so dynamic that every moment is distinct and unique. But for those who are willing, those who are ready to pierce the darkness, we see these things that need to be cleared up. And I'm just going to mention a few, and then I'm going to narrow this down to the one that I want to talk about briefly this morning. If we don't clear these up, we will not march. We will not let our light so shine before men. How about this gray area in our lives? Does God really speak, and does he still speak to me? If that remains a gray area in your life, does God speak and does he speak to me? If that's a gray area, I promise you, you will not pierce the darkness. Is the baptism of the Holy Spirit real and what difference does it make? If that's a gray area, you will not let the light so shine that the people will see God. Is there really a judgment where I will someday stand and give an account of my life? If that's a gray area, it will be hard to march on the gates of hell. Are my sins truly, absolutely forgiven? Am I truly a son? And do I know what it means to be a joint heir? Can I do what it says when he says, even greater things will I do? If those areas are gray areas in your life, I can promise you the light that was designed to light the house will be very, very dim and very, very faint. Will the light be there? Yes, because you're saved. But will the light do what it was designed to do? The answer is absolutely not. With every gray area, unclear and uncertain, and we don't have the privilege of dismissing them and say, I don't know the answer to that, so I guess I'm okay. That will never fly. The sin of ignorance is as great as any sin that is ever committed. We are designed to know by the heart of God, by the revelation of the Spirit, we are designed to know those things set before us. And when we refuse and let them remain gray areas, our light will be very, very dim. It's imperative that we learn to walk in the majesty that comes from the reality of the clarity of who he really is. And most of us walk in hesitation and many walk in negativity because we have no idea of the glory bound up in what it means when the gray areas are removed. The glory that was designed to emanate, the mystery that was designed to flow This amazing reality of who God made us to be when we let our light so shine. This morning, however, to narrow this down, God gave me one gray area that he wants to talk about this morning. One gray area that has to be dealt with first. None of the rest will ever be clear. And I want to focus on that one area. Because again, if we don't clear this up, there won't be a lot of conversation about anything else. The gray area that I'm talking about this morning is fully knowing... What and how God feels about you. If you're uncertain about that, if you don't know with an absolute certainty how God feels about you, I promise you, you will move with hesitation. 
it's very practical within our own Christian lives as parents. If we don't show, if, we, if whatever we tell our kids to do, if they don't do that from an understanding of who we are and that relationship that we have with them, they will always move in hesitation because they will fear that they could be punished because of what they didn't know to do. They will always move in hesitation if they don't know the, re- the relationship that we have because the possibility of punishment will always become very, very real. Cora's not here this morning, but just about every Sunday morning. Last Sunday morning, I'm standing here, and, and Dustin and Jessica are standing here with Cora, and I'm, I took Cora from, from Dustin. And I'm holding her in my arms, and I looked at her, and I said, Cora, you're beautiful. Cora, you're amazing. You're filled with love and goodness and grace and kindness. You're filled with peace. You're so smart. You're so talented. And I would speak those things to her. And the more I spoke, the greater the smile would become because something was still real for her. You see, right now in her, she could still believe that the words that would come from me out of my imperfect love for her, that those things I would say, she would actually believe. And how sad the commentary If we change this story and we put ourselves in the lap of our Heavenly Father and He begins to speak to us, He says, Stephanie, you are so... What would He say? You see, it's hard. What have we believed about ourselves? We have believed about ourselves in some form or fashion that I'm a disappointment. We think that somehow we've, we've made a mistake. That He somehow wrings His hands and is frustrated with us. And I want to tell you, Stephanie, he would say to you what he would say, what I would say to Cora. Stephanie, you're beautiful. You're amazing. You're so talented. You're so strong. You're so kind. There's such goodness in you and peace in you. Until that gets real clear in us. That that is exactly what God would say. Most of us put ourselves on God's lap and he's looking down with his frown on his face saying you're such a disappointment to me. I want to tell you, I would never say that to Cora. Because it's not true. I would never say that to Samuel or to Bennett or Benjamin or to Dorothy. I would never say that to my grandchildren. Because it's not true. Because what I feel about them doesn't, isn't based on how well they can perform. How I feel about them is based on my heart as a granddad, as a dad. Everything from flowing from my heart. But I want to tell you this morning, if you don't know how God feels about you, It's a gray area that must be cleared up. If you're sitting here this morning believing something less about yourself than the truth that God would speak, if you're believing something that did not originate from the mind and the heart of God, it's time to throw it out. It's time to get rid of it because there is absolutely no reason to believe anything about ourselves that doesn't originate from the mind and from the heart of our Father. Who knows the truth about me? I know who knows the truth. I know who's been lying to me also. I know who's been telling me these other things. I know those things. And I want to tell you this this morning, very, very clear, very, very specific, that we need to know with certainty who we are. We need to know that I am absolutely 100% forgiven. That I can't change that fact. My sin yesterday, my sin today, my sin tomorrow has been forgiven. Why? 
Because he said it, that sacrifice of Jesus' blood was a perfect sacrifice and every sin that I would ever commit has been tucked under the reality of the blood of Christ. He paid a great price so that my sins could be forever forgiven. And if I let anybody accuse me of a past sin, guess what? That is not God. He will never remind you of yesterday's failure. He will never remind you of yesterday's embarrassment. He will never remind you of yesterday's sin because that means he would have to reach under his blood, pull it out, and poke it in your face, and he will not do it. We are absolutely 100% forgiven. That's why I preached recently that we should never allow anyone or call ourselves sinners saved by grace. That's a title he paid a tremendous price to erase from me. That's a historical fact. I am a sinner. And yes, his grace saved me. That's a historical fact. That is not my name. That is not my title. And that is not what I will be called because he paid a tremendous price so that I would never have to be called a sinner again. And I shared with you, and it may sound arrogant. Apologize if it does. But I refuse to feel shame for yesterday's sin. What does it mean if I do? It means that the perfect sacrifice of Jesus' blood, the propitiation, where the sin was so thoroughly dealt with, if you lift the blood, you can't even see the sin. Because His blood so thoroughly dealt with my sin that it can't even be seen. So I'm tearing myself up over something that God doesn't even see. How strange that picture. We have to know. Clear up this gray area. I am 100% absolutely forgiven. I am absolutely 100% loved. I'm absolutely his child. I'm absolutely blessed. And that has no condition, no situation placed around it where that could be altered. These are absolute realities as he speaks to you, as he speaks to me this morning, having a desire to clear up every gray area that you have within your life about you. How hard is it going to be if we look back on the, on the battlefield? What if the person who's marching into battle, recognizing that the promise of God is already true, they're running against the gates of hell. They're sure of their weapon. They're sure of the command. They're sure of their training. They're sure of the person on their left and they're certain about the person on their right, but they're uncertain about the courage within their own heart. They're uncertain about the strength within their own character. Well, see, that's what we're dealing with this morning. We're not dealing with all of these things around us. We're dealing with what you believe about you. And I want to tell you, it's very hard to find anyone who has fully stepped into the reality that I am all those things that God has said about me. And I refuse to hear anything else. Someone asked me recently about this, about conviction. And it's hard to describe. If you're feeling guilt or you're feeling shame, it is not God. I will say it absolutely. If you're feeling guilt, if you're feeling shame, I know the author of it. And it is not God. God will bring conviction. And that conviction is born of love. And and the best way I can describe conviction is it feels like pressure. Shame comes to knock your feet out from under you. Guilt comes to hit you from the side and take your story out. 
conviction will feel like pressure coming down. I can always tell the difference between the two because I can feel the conviction because it is, it is the weight of his love pressing down on me because of something that's in my life that shouldn't be. Guilt and shame will come from the side and take the story away. I mean, it will knock your feet out from under you. God convicts with love to correct and to build and to strengthen, to form in us those things that, so we can be certain. Satan will always tell you, you should, you ought to be ashamed. Always the author of that phrase, never God. It's never God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. If that's a gray area in you this morning, if you can't sit here this morning and believe about yourself the very best words that God would speak. If you can't believe, if you can't sit there it's, it's amazing how hard this is to get an adult in my office. I, and I do this. I will tell them this story about these kids that run through the office or my grandkids that I will hold and I will tell them these things and they will sit still and listen as I tell them how remarkable that they are, how blessed, what a blessing they are. And they'll sit still and they'll listen to it word after word after word. They'll fix their on my face and on my mouth and they will receive those things that I say. It's amazing, amazing to watch them. And then I ask an adult, okay, let's switch the story for just a second. I'm going to set you in the lap of your heavenly father. And now you're looking up into his face. What are the words that will come out of his mouth about you? And it's almost impossible to get an adult to say something kind about himself. That's how serious this problem is. It's almost impossible to get an adult to say anything kind about themselves. And I might get one or two things out of them. And then I have to begin to, to do the same. I have to give the list. When Tatum, our niece, was little, and Janice was sick with cancer, and I know Tatum was given such a gift into that moment in our life. But I, this is where it really started with me. I'd take Tatum, and I'd sit with her, and I'd tell her, Tatum, you're so strong, you're so kind, you're so good. And if I missed one, she would say, what else? <laughs> if her grandmother tried to do it, Janice tried to do it, she'd say, what else? She knew the list. Well, she knew what was supposed to be said about her. And I'd love for the moments to come when we could describe ourselves sitting in the lap of our father looking up and he begins to speak and our question would be, what else? I want to hear it all. I want to hear everything that's originated in your mind, originated in your heart about me. And I'm not going to believe anything else. Boy, when that gray area begins to clear up, he can clear up many, many gray areas. But that one will cause us to stumble every single time. If you're uncertain about the heart within the warrior, the courage within the soldier, if you're uncertain about that, it won't matter what your weapon is. It won't matter who's beside you. It won't matter what the order is. The courage inside you, the strength inside you has got to be cleared up. Listen to these scriptures and I'll close. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding forth that word of life. Hear it among whom you shine as lights in the, in the world. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5. For we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants. For Jesus' sake. 
For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. If we're not clear about who God thinks about, what God thinks about us, there will be no light. There will be no lighting the world. There will be no piercing the darkness. There will be no marching on the gates of hell until this is cleared up. I've shared with the Sunday school class this morning where I've come in my, in my life. I have no desire to have anything happen up here after church until God shows me. He said it very clearly that the sons of God will know what the Father's doing. If I can't see what's supposed to happen up here, then I have no desire for anything to happen up here until God shows it and makes it clear. What I see very clearly this morning is an altar that's open. People coming to this altar saying before the Father, I believe things about myself that were untrue until this moment. And in this moment, I will sit before you and let you speak over me those things that are true. That's what this altar is for. That's where we come to put ourselves before the Father so that He can speak and we refuse to listen to anything except what the Father says. The vision that He gave me this morning of this moment is this altar made ready. I don't know who needs to come. I won't pretend to know who needs to come to this altar and be right in what they feel about themselves and clear up this gray area once and for all. Clear it up. You don't have to stay long here, Lord. I come to hear you say what's true about me and I won't believe anything else. God has a desire this morning to pour in something that would bring healing to your hearts and to your minds and to what you think about yourself. Most of us stand like this, closed, absolutely refusing to let that which God has a desire to do, to let it flow in. Because we have never allowed ourselves to the openness and the willingness to stand before God like this and say, God, look, look at this funnel. Look at what, look at the openness that you see here. Because God, I want everything. I want it poured in. I want the fullness of it, the reality of it, the power of it, the dynamic of it. And we stand before God with this reality. God, pour into me what I cannot otherwise have. Let me see what I need to see about myself. Most of us, our hearts touched, closed down and say, God, I know it. But I'm not walking these few feet. I'm not taking this step of faith. I'm not going to demonstrate the reality of it. And I'll stand there. God will not stop this message once we are dismissed. The Holy Spirit that is going to bear witness of it now is going to continue to bear witness of it through lunch and through this afternoon and through the night and through this week. And you're going to come to the reality at some point this week that I'm believing about myself those things that are absolutely untrue. I see myself as less than the fullness that He sees me. Even if it's not negative, we see ourselves small when He sees us great. We see ourselves insignificant when He says, You are the champion of my heart. We see ourselves small because we refuse to receive the vision, the clarity that God has spoken over us. I ask you this morning just to let the message continue. I'll pray and we'll be dismissed. But I want to assure you this message won't go away. God's made that very clear. This message will not go away. 
It's going to follow you this week wherever you go. And I'm so grateful for it. Because he has such a desire for you to be free. Lord, we come to you this morning thanking you for the reality of this message and the, and, and the, and the focus that you have brought on this gray area within our story so that we will know what you say about us. That it will not be a mystery, but become the words that we share of our own story as we tell others. Thank you, Lord, for the, for the opportunity to, to see the baptisms this morning, for the work of these ladies' hands, for the work of the Holy Spirit to touch and to release that carpet into this place so that everyone had to deal with the carpet rolling toward them. No one got missed. Not a single person got missed this morning. And thank you for it. We bless you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.